Welcome back into the mental game where this week's guest is country singer-songwriter Nico Moon. I became an alcoholic. Um, I had a a substance abuse problem with uh, pills. Um, And that's something I don't think I've ever said ever publicly. And in this episode, Nico opens up about his country music career where he got his first big break as a writer for the Zac Brown Band. Then he went out on his own and became a solo artist taking songs all the way to the top of the charts. We talk about his music career, but also his personal battle with depression and handling his own mental health. He opens up for the very first time about the deepest and darkest moments in his life. All of that, plus how he's helping country music fans with their mental health, coming up in this episode. But once again, if you're loving the mental game, please like, subscribe, rate, review, tell your family, tell your friends, as we try to help as many people as possible with their mental health. But now it is time for the latest episode here with Nico Moon. Welcome back into the mental game. As you can see, I got a very special guest with me, country singer, songwriter, Nico Moon. Nico, appreciate you coming on the mental game, my man. Thanks for having me, brother. Super pumped to be here. Yeah, you got the style rocking. We got similar shirts, but you got the boots, hat. I mean, I I, I can't really compete with it. <laughs> oh, man, there's a hat for everybody. You just got to find the right one. There you go. Uh, first thing I ask everyone here on the mental game is what does mental health mean to you? And Everyone has a different answer, whether it's something, you know, they discovered maybe at a young age from a traumatic experience, or maybe it's something the older they got, it's something they learned to take better care of. But I'll ask you the same thing. What does mental health mean to you? Yeah, to me, mental health means the proactive step of someone working towards being mentally well mm-hmm. in the same way that we would, uh, like going to the gym to work out. Yeah. I think of it like really the same way, you know, if I'm out of shape, go to the gym, get in shape, you yeah. know, uh, therapy or meditation or, you know, positive re- mental reinforcement, all the different things that can be used to all the different tools out there to like help with mental health, you yeah. know, it's like going to the gym for your brain, you know? <laughs> I, I love, I love that analogy because people ask me all the time. They're like, well, you know, why should I go to therapy or why should I take care of your mental health? It's like, well, if you break your arm, you're going to the doctor, you're going to the hospital. It should be the same up here. Um, your career in country music has really started to blow up over the past few years. Um, you spent a long time of your career as a songwriter, kind of behind the scenes. Now you're getting some, some big hits. Uh, Good Time obviously hit number one a couple of years back and you're touring, growing and growing. I'm sure that has to be a dream come true. I want to get into all that. But your roots, where you came from, Make sure I don't get this backwards. Did you grow up in Texas, then move to Georgia? Yeah, I was born in Texas, in Tyler, Texas, and which is in East Texas. Mm -hmm. Uh, My dad was a truck driver. Uh, He just retired and was a truck driver his whole life. Congrats, pops! Yeah, congrats. (laughs) And my mom, uh, a waitress for a while, and 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 then uh, went into the uh, temporary staffing business. But uh, both very blue collar people. Salt of the earth, working class, uh, hardworking, loving people, you know, and and, that, and that's where I came from. But, you know, there was always, um, I think, that question, are we going to have enough, you know, come yeah. the, come Friday, you know, or, yeah. or, or really come Thursday because you get paid on Friday, right? Right. But, uh, you know, 
through that, we developed a lot of love, a lot of closeness in, mm-hmm. in, in, in my time growing up as a kid. But also, I think there was a lot of tension, you know, yeah. subconscious tension that as a kid you pick up, you know, right. that I think uh, I, I think I kind of subconsciously kind of downloaded that mm-hmm. that kind of stress that I was observing. Yeah. And um, I think they were trying to cope with it the best way they could be in parent, young parents. My mom was 18. Oh, wow. And my dad was 20. Too. Mm-hmm. And so trying to trying to cope with being new parents with minimum wage jobs has to be one of the most stressful things. <laughs> yeah, no, you're 100% you know, right with you that. You know what I'm doing? But kids are so observant. They pick up on that stuff and you, you learn, you imitate, you mm-hmm. know, on how to handle things. And so they're under a lot of pressure and we're trying to handle it. And I learned how to handle it the same way, you yeah. know, my, my stresses in life, you know, and eventually coming to a point where I had to make that choice to to start finding tools mm-hmm. to uh, handle the stresses of life better. Did you know that your family and your parents were struggling when it came to money and making ends meet? You talked about the Thursday, Friday, like waiting to see if, if there yeah. was going to be enough for y'all to maybe enjoy the weekend or just get food that night and be able to go out to dinner or something fun. Did you know they were struggling? Could you see that? And that did, have a, did that have an effect on you as a yeah, kid? Yeah, I knew we were struggling. At first, when I was really little, I didn't know. But then when... um. Uh, I remember like when we wouldn't like have much uh, food left, my dad would get really creative and he, he'd go into the uh, kitchen and just find like, <laughs> stuff that has no business going together yeah. and putting something together. But he would turn it into a game of like, let's make a new creation, yeah. make a new recipe. Let's be chefs, you know, <laughs> or I remember this one time when the lights got cut off and it was cold, uh, it was pretty cold. And so, uh, but we had a fireplace. Mm-hmm. So my dad blew up a, a blowing mattress, you know, like an air mattress. Yeah. And next to the fireplace and threw some logs on and made it a game like we were going camping, you know? Wow. So my parents were always doing things like that, uh, that reinforced the love yeah. over the difficulty, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that still resides deeply in me that that true happiness, you know, doesn't come from things. It comes from people, you know, from yeah. true connection, you know. And uh, but yeah, even though he was making it a game, I was aware. <laughs> yeah, that kids have a way. Kids have a way of making you aware, right? They're brutally honest about <laughs> yeah. things. So I'm sure at certain points you pointed out probably to your parents. All right. Well, this doesn't really go together for dinner, but we're having it. But they, like, it's so cool to me, though, to see the parents love that they had for you and your family, even though they were going through tough times to find ways to make it creative and not let it affect your mental health or you know probably them grinding looking back I'm, I'm sure you've had conversations with them now as an adult going how did you do that like have you guys talked about kind oh yeah of, we've uh, talked about it yeah. yeah what was that like just kind of because well, you know i that. just became a father this past year yeah I, congrats yeah I, thank you and i'm 40 yeah. so literally half my age you wow. know i mean i was in college when my parents were my age Wow. So just kind of really like absorbing that and thinking back on when I was that age and realizing how naive to the world I was. Yeah. Elevates my respect for them and their ability to keep it together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think do a fantastic job in spite of all the difficulties that they had in in, in front of them uh, with parenthood. Yeah, no, that's super inspiring and and taking what they have and do the best that they can and, I would say they raised a pretty good son. I, well, I you know, they they were are musical people, both both of yeah. them. They both 
uh, play instruments. My dad plays drums and okay. guitar and, and plays guitar. My mom plays guitar. And then they both write music too, write songs. Yeah. Uh, my dad di actually did it semi-professional, I guess you would say, in, in that he toured regionally okay. uh, across Texas in, yeah. in, country, in country bands. So there was this deep love and deep appreciation for music that mm -hmm. was always nurtured. It was always um, really an open door that this was a possibility yeah. uh, for you in life. Um, but I think because of the upbringing, there was this deep drive inside of me to... to uh, find to find success yeah um but also a deep drive to find meaning in life mm -hmm. and 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 for me music really struck a chord from an early age i was fascinated it yeah. was like magic to me and so uh, from a very early early time in my life i was i was pretty focused in on music mm -hmm. uh and hoping that there was some way that i could use that to propel myself to these places that i I, have, I was dreaming of going. Well, it means more to you because it's something that not only you love, but your parents love. And it's something, you know, you grew up watching, obviously listening. I'm sure probably when the first time you started writing songs was at home or around your parents. And like just taking that, those two things and putting them together with your parents and you, how special was that when you discovered that love for music and that it could be something that you make your career? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's funny. It, it first... The love of music just all starts with the pure, like childlike joy of it all. Mm -hmm. You know, just being entranced by and fascinated by how it works. Yeah. And it wasn't years later until I really started thinking about it of it as in terms of like a career. Sure. You know, I guess it really wasn't in terms of till you got to start making money. Yeah, you're like, what do I do here? How do I how do I figure this out? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and you know, uh, I got really lucky that I crossed paths with Zach Brown from the Zach Brown Band. Yeah. Um, after I had been playing bars for about five or six years, mm -hmm. and kind of just scraping my teeth. Yeah. Um, with 150 bucks a night and free beer. Yep. Trying to figure out how to get to the next place, but I kind of didn't know where to go from there. Yeah. I, I was I was living in this small town about 45 minutes outside of Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. And I had played like every honky-tonk and bar I knew of yeah. 10 times over, and I kind of didn't really know what to do from there. And then Zach Brown saw me playing in a bar, and he really kind of was that catalyst that mm -hmm. helped propel me into the next place because his career was just taken off. Yeah. And he found a lot of value in my songwriting and asked if I wanted to go on the road with him and start writing songs with him. You're and, like, hell yeah, baby. And man, I'll <laughs> tell you what, man, talking about, talking about the mental game about a month before that encounter with him where my entire life changed, I was playing a Mexican restaurant about 15 minutes from where I lived. Uh -huh. It was raining that day. So, the owner of the Mexican restaurant said, hey, man, you can't play on the patio today where everybody's going to be. So, Ken, you play in the little entrance <laughs> when you first walk in, like before. You know when you walk in the doors and there's like the newspapers and yeah. everything, and then you open up some more doors yeah, to yeah. go into the actual restaurant? Restaurant, yeah. That's where he set me up. <laughs> yeah, how are you supposed to play? Man, people were walking in to just get some quesadillas, and there I am like, yeah. <laughs> right at the front door. <laughs> singing sweet home alabama or 
something, you know, just, you know, I'm playing cover songs, you yeah. know, and man, I had been doing this for, you know, like I said, like maybe five or six years at this point, giving it everything I had mm -hmm. and I had made it all the way to Mexican restaurant for you, you know, <laughs> that's when you made it. Drake started from the bottom. Now yeah. we're here, baby. <laughs> and, and this like 10 year old kid walks up to me and he's watching and it was like this little like silver lining of like, at least he's digging it, you know? Yeah. So I leaned down, I'm like, Hey man, what do you want? What do you want to hear? And he goes, Oh no, I just want some gum. And I realized I was sitting in front of a gumball machine. <laughs> oh no. And man, that was about the lowest point of like my musical career. Mm. I got beat out by gum, you know? Yeah. And I, I on the way home that night, I really was asking myself the very serious question of if I should really be doing this um, as a career, if I should be really going for this, or if maybe this should just be relegated to being a hobby at home, right. you know? But something in me just could not let it go, and I think it's because it's an obsession, you mm -hmm. know? And that's why I think it can be so good if you can figure out what you're obsessed with, what kind of just you can't let right. go, it keeps you up at night. Yep. Um, I just couldn't let it go. And so I told, I told myself, I'm gonna give myself another three months. And let's just see, let's just see where we're at in three months. And yeah. you know, a month later, that encounter was Zach. My whole life changed. I mean, you know, and now we're sitting, we're talking seven number ones later, and I got, I got this career now as an, as I've been able to transfer it from being an artist. I mean, from a songwriter into an artist now. Yeah. And I'm just so grateful for, um, for that that kid that was in that Mexican restaurant. <laughs> yeah. For not giving up, you know? And now I, in my recording studio, I got this gumball machine right next to my desk. That's amazing. That I look at. <laughs> That's awesome. That I think about sometimes, and it just reminds me to, like, never give up. Just never give up with anything. So, you know, to this day, I'm hyper-focused on betterment in every area of my life, being a better father, a better husband, um, a better friend. Yeah. A better musician, a better boss just better what well, you get to a certain point where you're grinding things out and you have to decide is this going to be my career or is it time to give this shit up and, and go work something else and it's really hard when you're at that point I mean we're not in the same profession but I was doing you know sports reporting getting to cover some huge games from the Super Bowl NCAA titles do it all and it got to a point where like this isn't what I'm feeling anymore so you take a leap of faith do something you love I started this show and it's a grind and you got to just keep hoping for breaks and people will say yes or, you know, you reach out to come on a day in advance. And we're like, yeah, let's do it. Um, but those moments stick out and you remember when people gave you chances or things that motivate you. You mentioned that being the lowest point of your music career. When you, a month later, meet Zach and he asked you to go on the road and start writing with you. Like, did that even seem real when that happened? No, man, I was in a dream world. I was I was a kid in a candy store, man. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for that experience. I dropped out of college after one year because I was so obsessed with music, you know. And here was this opportunity to get this education, this different kind of education yeah. with this phenomenal, phenomenal artist who's now become really legendary in the country music genre. Yep. 
And I spent 12 years on the road with the Zach Brown band wow. writing songs with them. And so I kind of like to think of it as like I got my PhD in Zach Brown band. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But Zach really, and the guys, you know, they really did. They, they helped show me the difference between a good song and a great one. Yeah. Um, that level of excellence that you should aspire to with, with what you do in life. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many valuable lessons that I gained Yeah. that, now embarking as an artist with my own path and my own message, which mm -hmm. really is positivity. Yeah. It's, it's this almost Marley-esque one love. We're all in this together. That positive thinking can really have a, a real impact in your reality. And that music mm -hmm. is this really amazing tool that I think sometimes can maybe not be thought of as a tool, yeah. for mental health, for for positive mental health. Because I think sometimes we relegate music a little bit to just being that thing that we do in the background of our yeah. lives. But um, I'm a really big believer that there are a lot of different ways that music actually has a really major impact mm -hmm. on our mental health. I couldn't agree more. I'm not a musician myself, but when it comes to like healthy coping mechanisms, just me driving around listening to music that helps me um and, and like i you know unhealthy things I, i've been sober now it was seven months this this week and so it's like you make those decisions and you have to find things that you're passionate about that can help you when you're you know dealing with the anxiety dealing with the depression yeah. music for me definitely is i love listening to it and for someone that lives it i have to imagine after years of i mean can we say when you're playing in bars i mean you're getting paid and you're getting some free beer and you're getting some good opportunities to be in front of people, but you are struggling to a certain extent. Oh man, it was to, a to, struggle, man. Yeah. <laughs> I tried I tried to butter that one up for yeah. you. Then I was living in my best friend's basement. Me and my now wife, we were living in my yeah. best friend's basement for 250 bucks a month. Wow. I mean, we were scraping by, man, you know. Once Uncle Sam got his piece and you yeah. pay pay for your rent and your and, and your utilities and your phone and your food and everything, man. It was it was really tough, you know. But those are some of my most beautiful memories, man, yeah. of, of life was in that struggle with my wife together, her reinforcing the dream back mm -hmm. to me that I wasn't crazy, that yeah. there was real potential here, that I could be something in this well, you, and, and to not give up. Well, you had to feel a new sense of hope, obviously, when you talk about riding with Zach and the band and, and doing that, you say 12 years, 12 years. I mean, that's, that's not a cup of tea. That's, <laughs> that's a decade. Um, and getting that opportunity and growing and seeing how your life changes, did, did music become even more a part of your life and a part of your own therapy and good for your mental health because it became a bigger part of your life? Yeah, absolutely. It, it consumed my life, you know, and then I started spreading my w wings and writing for other artists outside of the Zach Brown band. Like, yeah. Morgan Wallen and 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 Pitbull and Avicii mm -hmm. and even people in in other genres, you know. Yeah. Um, but I worked with this one artist though, that maybe may not be as known as well known as those artists, but his name is Michael Franti. Okay. And he's a reggae artist, and uh, he he has that song, uh, "Hey, I'll be gone today. Yeah, yeah. I'll be back on right away." But um. His music is all centered around love. And uh, I saw him one time at, at a festival. Mm -hmm. And it impacted me so deeply. 
um, the way that he was utilizing music for this greater purpose than mm -hmm. just his own ambitions yeah. for success and his own personal ambitions for meaning in life and all that. It was beyond him. It was bigger than him. And he was leaning into that. And I just thought that was really special. And it made me feel good. It mm -hmm. made me feel better about life. You know, the music did. Yeah. And I wanted to do the same. And so I really got to give so much credit to Michael, uh, Bob Marley, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Jimmy Buffett, who yeah. we recently just lost. Yep. Um Kenny Chesney, all these great artists before me that I feel like have really just put that like joy and yeah. positive vibes out there, you know? Yeah. And that's what I've done. I've really just committed myself to taking my medium, which is music, mm -hmm. and using it as a force for positivity in, in the mental health space. And so to me, uh, you know, it's amazing what a positive song can mm -hmm. do for you, man. You know, it, it it really is. So I only make positive music. I don't have one negative song, you know. Now, there's some songs that might be more somber and everything. Yeah. Talking about serious things. Like I have a song that talks about um, a relationship I was in for seven years. We were engaged. We got very close to getting married. And then I found out that she was cheating on me with mm -hmm. my best friend who was going to be the best man in my wedding. And... I lost my fiance and my best friend in the same moment. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, my whole my whole world was just turned upside down. I, it affected not only the way I viewed um, romantic relationships, but the way I viewed friendships too. Yeah. And so I, it, I walled myself up for a lot of years, not being able to trust people um, and really shut myself off emotionally for a very long time. But positive music was one of those things that slowly but surely, along with meeting my wife, you know, yeah. these things, these these life-giving things came into my life and were able to to reopen up those aspects of myself, um, to trust again, mm -hmm. to love people fully again. And so I got all this gratitude from my wife for music, for positive music. Yeah. And so that's why I've kind of like really like committed myself me and my wife have we write all the music together yeah. and so and we make it at our recording studio in nashville so it's homemade music yep. and that's kind of what the life goal is now mm -hmm. you know i got this family this little family that i'm so grateful for yeah. and with what i do in life i my aim is to just put as much positivity as i can out there in the country music space for all the people out there mm -hmm. who listen to country music who are going through all of the unique particulars that make their life difficult because we all got them you know we all got our own little unique situations yep. that make life heavy <laughs> that well you do it and people always ask me like is there one guest that stands out is there one story that stands out and really it's not or there isn't one because every single person struggles it doesn't matter if you're in the super bowl got the number one song in music you're in movies or on tv everybody has shit that they go through if i can walk back to what you just mentioned that moment when you find out that your girlfriend at the time or fiance at the time and best friend behind your back, that, that she's cheating on you, what were the darkest days you had with that moment? Because I feel like some people, 
maybe even most people crumble in moments like that and aren't able to bounce back. Yeah, I did. I crumbled for a couple of years. Um, I became an alcoholic. Um, I had a, a substance abuse problem with uh, pills. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something I don't think I've ever said ever pu- publicly. I, my personal um, family and close friends know this, but this is the first time I've, yeah. really, I've really ever said this before in a public way. But I had a problem for a few years mm-hmm. and um I, it's because i didn't i just didn't know how to how to cope with it i didn't know yeah. how to handle the situation or how to deal with it so i just checked out yeah. <laughs> no, it's- you know and um and, and, and i have a song actually that i wrote that kind of deals with it called drunk over you you know mm-hmm. um and then eventually coming to this place in my, my life and the lyric of the song is where I say, you know, I'm not realizing that getting drunk over you was just wasted time. Yep. And it was coming to that, to that realization, you know, yeah. um, that I was really just hurting myself Yeah. and that, um, and that I had to find a way, uh, uh, to, to be happy again, you know, and not allow this situation to completely just, mm-hmm. just take me out. You know, I mean, everyone, everyone goes through so many hard things. I think for me, what it was is that was looking back on it now, that was the very first really, really hard thing that I had ever been through. Yeah. And I know we were talking er- earlier mm-hmm. um, about that really difficult time that you had yeah. in your life. For me, that, that was probably that moment for me. I just never had something that was that difficult. And so I just didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> yeah, no. And that's uh, until you're in it, and that's the way mental health has been for so long across the world, especially in our country, is that we're not taught how to deal with it. We're not taught how to grieve. We're not taught how to deal in school or, or growing up from our parents. It's not their fault. It's just how the world was. Um, thank you for sharing that. And it's something that's super relatable to me with, you know, with my relationship struggles and my alcohol issues. Um, it took me a long time to quit drinking. Um, my therapist asked me for years. I go through the crazy breakup where it's super toxic, think that I'm going to marry this woman. I finally met this person because my whole life I was alone. That was the feeling that drew or that drew out that depression in me. And I used alcohol to cover it up. And, and the, for, the feeling of being lonely. Feeling of being alone. And I yeah. don't know, is that the same kind of where you yeah, were at? Yeah, man. And you know, that's why songs about loneliness are so connecting, you know. And that's why it's kind of interesting in, in, in that I, in that even though I only make positive music, mm-hmm. isn't it interesting how sad songs can make people feel better, right? Sometimes. Yeah. And, and it's because you don't feel alone is what it is. Yep. You know, you feel like someone understands what you're feeling. And so for me, it's like taking maybe that thought as an artist and saying, how can I take an issue like that or, or, or a subject like that? But instead of just talking about the loneliness of it, mm-hmm. Also, uh, address the loneliness because it's a real thing. It's, a, it's an emotion yeah. that we all feel. It's part of the human experience. Yeah. Happiness and sadness, right? They're the yin and the yang, yep. and they're just part of the human experience. We're going to feel both of them. we got to learn how to deal with both of them. And, and for me, making sure that there's redemption in the lonely songs, mm-hmm. in the songs about the loneliness, so that when you're listening to it, you feel that feeling that I'm not alone, but you also get that inspiration that it, that this is not it, that there is a way out. 
Yeah, and it's really hard. In and it's that, so important to keep that in mind. You know, well, it's hard to see that. And, and one of the things that I preach and that I've learned is that feelings are temporary, good and bad. If you would have told me a year and a half ago, when I was suicidal for three months and going through a crazy breakup and death in my family, that I'd be doing this interview with you and what I'm doing full time now, like I would have told you, you're you're effing crazy. Like I never thought I'd get out of that sadness and that and that depression. Did you feel like kind of sunk in that spot too? And that's why you gravitated towards the drinking and the pills? Because for me, that was the easy answer. It was almost like I was in this autopilot filling the void. I would get done reporting on the sidelines at an NFL game or doing a late night show. And I just go to the bar or club and, you know, you get a little bit of free service, free drinks, and it helps out. And you just try to drain those sorrows away. Yeah, I think when I was young, I wasn't even really thinking about it deeply. Yeah. I was just, man, I was just living in the moment. So I would just feel sad. I wouldn't think too deeply about the fact that I felt sad. I just felt sad. Yep. So then I'd, I'd, I'd get messed up so that I didn't uh, think about it yeah. f- for the time being, you know. Um, it is interesting how as you get older, though, mm-hmm. you after you've been drinking for a while or doing whatever, for whatever it is for a while. T- yeah. If you're doing that thing as a Band-Aid, yep. you know, eventually you do start uh, being able to take that step back and ask yourself, why am I doing this? So I think it's yep. good for everybody to do that sometimes, you know, and just I still do it to this day, you yeah. know, with 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 I, I got such an addictive personality, man. It's I'm one the of the things way. that really helps me with music and stuff is I mm-hmm. can lock myself in a room for 12 hours and just work on a song. Yeah. But I can also pick up a habit really easy and yeah, and stick with it, you know, so uh I'm constantly having to kind of keep myself in check on like if if I'm recognizing myself overdoing something, it's like, why are you doing that? Yeah. Are you leaning on that thing? You know? Yeah. I should have asked you this before. Do you still drink or no? I do, but, but not, not any, not yeah, like not that. Anywhere close. Yeah. <laughs> That's where for me, it's like, I haven't decided if I'm ever going to drink again. It's been seven months, but I think for me right now, I know it's best in this moment yeah. is to not drink. And maybe I'll get to a point where I can, but I just know me, I have that addictive personality where like, I can't just have one, two, three beers and, you know, I need to get messed up. That's just kind of the way my personality is. Um, but thank you so much for sharing and that. Man, that's great because that's yeah. maturity right there. That's, that's, I don't that's know how being, mature I am, but I'm well, man, that's up, being yeah. self-aware. It's knowing. Yeah. It's knowing your personality like that. You yeah. Know, and just saying, I know me like that. <laughs> yeah. No, it takes a long time to get there and growing up and going through those, those, those lows. You mentioned um, – getting through that moment and having yeah. a rough two years when you turn the page and the opportunities start coming, obviously yeah, it was it, a big help to, yeah. to get past that. And I really just started focusing on my goals because I felt like the goals is what was going to bring the happiness. That's where I feel right now. It's the same thing. Okay. So, yeah. so, so here's where I was. I was like, man, I was, these opportunities started happening and they were really helping me. They were, I, I was definitely now out of the trench of the sadness, yeah. but I was still looking for like the peace, the true, like yeah. the, the true, like the dream that we're all chasing. Right. Yep. And so like, for me, that was like the wife and the kid and the, and the, and mm-hmm. the white picket fence and all that. I know for some people that's like the exact opposite of the dream. Yeah. But for me, I do. I want the little cabin in the woods. And the, Same here. That's you know what I mean? Yeah. So, <laughs> so, uh, and I wanted, I wanted, I love music so much and I put so much of my life into it. It was yeah. important for me that I was successful at it. Not, not maybe for like the notoriety of it, but, mm-hmm. but, uh, in the sense that that meant that I was good at it. Yeah. And that meant that I had 
that I was a craft a craftsman at my craft. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, and so and so I just poured myself in into finding the success. Yep. And then, you know, you hear it. Everybody says it, and no one ever listens. So I don't expect anyone to believe me. You know firsthand or anything like that if if they're on that journey of like whatever number they have in their head of that success is or whatever place yeah you know stability wise but once I got to that place of like certain amount of number ones or certain amount of money in the bank of like this is like happiness like from man this is like after that it's cherries on top yeah and then getting there and not feeling like literally any more happy like not yeah. even one percent more happy you know wow. then 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 i would say like once i was like out of the sadness and just back to normal you know what i mean and that's for me when i i really started kind of like looking around and like well then what is it and that's when i connected the dots personally that it that it had it wasn't external it was, had nothing to do with like some accomplishment it was all in an internal thing for me um and that finding happiness was going to be something that now that now had gotten the outside of life as far as the the stability of the stress of like bills or like Mm -hmm. making sure my wife and my daughter are okay and all that yeah but as far as like personal happiness um and all the other ways was now going to be an inside thing and and for me what that is is that is having a life that is extremely meaningful Mm -hmm. and a life that is a forward motion in all aspects because i feel like it's such a gift i exist against all odds yeah here we are existing and so i owe it to i owe it to the universe i owe it to creation Mm -hmm. to make my life count the absolute most that it can so yeah. when I'm a husband, when I, like we were talking about in all aspects of life, of, yeah. or like when this and what we're talking about, what we do, um, you know, I'm just giving it everything I got. And so in order for me to do that, I, th- I, I personally felt like the music wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting ready to launch something that's brand new that I'm really excited about that for me personally is going to help me get that deeper sense of meaning out of life which is for me the the um the philanthropic side of helping others you know mm-hmm. and that and that is my nonprofit. i'm getting ready to launch called the happy cowboy foundation i'm so excited about it it's an awesome name thanks man <laughs> <laughs> i love that the happy cowboy foundation is going to help people who can't afford it get therapy very i love that very simply that's all it is you know so there are so many amazing uh organizations out there like uh nami and to write love on her arms and many many others that uh people are able to go to and uh if they if they uh don't have the means get uh get the therapy at a reduced or or maybe even completely uh taking care of rate yeah and the happy cowboy foundation is going to be funding these organizations um, and also directing all of the people that are my f- fans and that I come into contact with yeah. to, 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 to the places that we're funding. Um, it's going to be launching in January of 2024 at the very top of the year. So anybody that is interested in, uh, in being a part of Happy Cowboy mm-hmm. Foundation, learn how you can help, how you can donate, um, who we're uh, working with, just any questions at all, you can just go to happycowboyfoundation.org. But yeah, 
January 2024, the the uh, the circle of life uh, is about to get a, a, a lot bigger and a lot more people are about to come into my world that I can't wait to I can't wait to connect with. That's amazing. Congrats on that. That is incredible. And it's something that I know a lot of people struggle with me being in the mental health space full time now hosting this show. Just the stories that I hear are people not being able to afford therapy or they have a bad experience with one therapist or one medication and are afraid to try different yeah. things. It's such a big problem. Man, they got to know, man. Everybody's got to know that. Um, I think like, I could be wrong about this. So, so we're going to give a stat. <laughs> I'm about to give a stat, All right. but we're going to take it with a grain of salt that, right. that, that the average person I think takes four therapists to find the mm -hmm. therapist that they kind of lock in with. Yeah. And that the average times that, a person will go to therapy for um, something like uh, uh, for an event, like say an a divorce or maybe the yeah. death of a parent or the loss of a job or something like that. The amount of times my uh, on for the national average is somewhere around seven. Yeah. So when you know when 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 you're thinking about that, I just want people to know that if if, if it's your first time in your first session and you're feeling, oh, I still feel. I don't know about this. Yeah, yeah, your first person you've seen, your first time talking. A lot of time that's just intake. They're just getting the beginnings of information, yep. you know. And you're not. You're really gonna start feeling those that that I feel like, or I personally, I I would say, really started feeling those moves of progress. Yeah. You know, after maybe like four or five times yeah I I, then i started feeling like all right now we're getting some head some yeah. headway going here <laughs> I, I agree with you on that and kate flannery who plays meredith on the office she gave some of the best advice i've ever heard when it comes to therapists and maybe not liking your first one or second one it's like shop around you can't you can't just quit on uh, after one session yeah it's like dating like, yeah it's like dating it's oh god that's a struggle we can do a whole other episode <laughs> on, on that but, but it is you got to be able to be completely yourself and like so if you're like uh just hanging out with a group of people and you're kind of seeing who do i vibe, vibe with the easiest to talk to right now in this situation yeah. who would be the person most likely to be my friend that i can most naturally talk to you're going to do the same thing with a therapist you're going to see who do I most naturally have a, be able to have a conversation with? Who just for whatever reason I feel most comfortable with? Yeah. Who's like process um, seems to jive with me yep. most naturally. There's a lot of, it's a chemistry thing really, yep. you know, cause it is a relationship. It is. And what the thing that I love the most about therapy is my therapist is an older woman who has no idea who I was, hates sports or doesn't know a lot about sports. And it's just an unbiased person yeah. that can look at you and Mine doesn't too. care what you do for a living, yeah. who your family is, what you've done in the past. They just want to help you feel better about you. And that's the coolest part for me about therapy. I yeah, think. mine's the same way. Yeah. Doesn't know anything about country music, listen to country music, could care less. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I love that because when we're talking, it's just like a human being talking to another human being. Yep. Who has gone? Got who has gone some to, shit. Yeah. Who, who has gone? Who has read a lot of books and is, yep. has got like you know a lot of education on, on how to help people untangle that knot. Sometimes I kind of think of it like jewelry, you know, like those yeah. like really thin necklaces that that your mama wore that would get tied up, yeah. and it would be so hard to untangle it, and it would take a long time. You know, it's this beautiful necklace, you know, it's gold. It's just, you just got to untangle it a little bit. It's going to yep. take a while, but you, you'll get it. But you'll it, get you know? there. You'll get there. Like yeah, I said, like those feelings are temporary. Things and are temporary. And they can help you get there. They're like yep. professional entanglers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that analogy. I do want to hit on this because you've mentioned your wife 
and your child multiple times. And I want to, we've talked about a lot of hard things. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some joyous some fun, some good, some good energy you let's have in it. your life. Your wife, also a songwriter, you guys yeah. write together. Did I read this right? That you guys met on Facebook? Yeah, we met on Facebook. We had a mutual friend that's a photographer that um, she's kind of saw a picture of me through. So she friend requested me. Yeah. I slid into the DMs. Let's go. <laughs> Are those called DMs on Facebook? I don't know. I just kind of refer to yeah. if it's any platform with a yeah, yeah. with a personal message, I'm gonna yeah, call DM, it a DM. Yeah. But I slid on in there. I invited her out to a show. I was playing this. Uh, I was playing this club. Uh, in Atlanta. Okay. And she came, she came to the show and man, I thought we was going, I was in my single days. I thought we was going to go after the show, go up to the bar and have a couple of drinks, hang out. I don't know. Who knows where, where the night may lead. I'm not good at dating. <laughs> I don't know what any of that means anymore, but I'm getting old say, and dusty in here, but <laughs> man, I was just, you know, I was, I was young, wild and free, man. And she came in and she was just looked like an angel, man. And after the show, she came up to me. She's like, thank you so much for inviting me. I had the best time. I was like, absolutely. You want to go to the bar and uh, grab a drink and just, you know, get to know each other and talk? And she was like, oh, no, no, I'm I'm okay. Uh, I'm going to head out. But uh, give me a call sometime. You can take me on a real date. And I said, oh. Okay. okay. Now we're in here. <laughs> uh, and I, I think about that a lot. And I love that she did that because looking back on it with – I feel like she was doing or what she actually was doing for me yeah was she was requiring more f from a partner than i was currently giving yep and in order to be with her she was letting me know you're gonna need to elevate yourself because yep. i respect myself to this degree that i'm only gonna be with somebody at this level or up yeah you know it ain't gotta do with money or nothing it's just how you handle yourself you know right and and I like that. I like I like being pushed. Yeah. You know. Um, so so I did, and yeah, I took yeah. right on a real date, and the rest was history. I mean, I was in love, and and I'm I'm so grateful to have her in my life. And now us having our our daughter, I feel like I'm kind of going through a similar evolution again. Sure. Uh, uh, point two. Yeah. Um, where I felt like I kind of like stepped up and ca and became this man that wasn't, you know, I wasn't a particular i wasn't like a faithful i wasn't like an honest good you know man mm -hmm. before my wife you know as far as like i wasn't someone that i would recommend yeah or like want my daughter to date or something like that yeah. or like even like a friend of mine to yeah. go date stay you know? away from me yeah, yeah he's just single musician just yep. out there having fun living the life you know and then my wife really just elevated me in that way and now with my daughter I'm going through like this second line of evolution sure. where now I'm becoming this man that is good enough for her as a yep. father, which is another, I feel like an even another level that I got to get to and I'm not there. And so I'm, I'm in process right now with that. Yeah. And so I'm loving life right now because um, I'm just seeing all these inefficiencies with myself and how I can improve upon myself in, in all different kinds of areas. And so I'm working out, you know, uh, I'm eating better, mm -hmm. um, meditating, um, uh, I'm journaling, um, you know, I'm spending quality time with my family with the phone away, you know, yep. um, 
I'm diving in deeper into my business, you know. Um, I'm I'm more in love with music than I ever been, you know. I'm I'm starting this nonprofit. I'm getting more connected with people than I feel like I've ever been connected. I'm just yeah. putting my fingers, digging my hands into life deeper, you know. And for me, that's the way that I get um, f- for again forward motion. Yeah, and get to that place where I, I hope I can be the daddy that she deserves, you know. Well, you can tell you have that that passion for everything you're doing, whether it's music, family, especially being a dad now and experiencing, like you said, that evolution, that change. I know you got a show here tonight in Cincinnati. I'm going to go about 10 more minutes, and then we're good, I think, to get you out of here to play. Um, I do want to ask about the specific nature of of, – husband, wife, writing songs together yeah. and how magical that is because like, it's unique, man. Yeah. Because they, you know, it, it's happened before it'll happen again, but it is a very unique, special thing yeah. of like, you have to really, really love your wife to be at, like, I yeah. mean, like you're sleeping in the same bed, but you're also waking up and working together. Man, yeah. It's all the time together. And you know, a little behind the scenes on how it kind of works in Nashville with the, in the songwriting world in the music industry is typically songwriting sessions are set up by the publishers in Nashville. I'm with Warner Chapel. There's Sony. There's a lot of publishers. Yeah. Um, a universal in Nashville. Um, and this is where all the songwriters are. They're kind of like record labels for songwriters. Yeah. And they set up songwriting sessions. So all songwriters, um, can get together. Sometimes songwriters with an artist, uh, as well can all get together and write these songs. And, um, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, to have done that, like I said, with Zach Brown on a personal level. But when I spread my wings and started writing for other artists, I moved to Nashville and started doing these types of sessions. Yep. And it's a lot of fun. Every day you're, you're with someone that you've never met before a lot of times, wow. a brand new person. Yeah. Um, but it's very scheduled, which is interesting. It's like 11 to 4 pretty yeah. much. Um, and it's like you go in at 11 and you leave at four with a song, you know? Yeah. And then the next day you're with a new group of people at 11 and you leave at four with the song, you know? Wow. Um, and, and so you get really, really good because every day you're with someone different who, and everyone's unique in their style of songwriting. Everyone's sure. got a different approach and you pick up on everyone's, everyone's little approach. And after a few years and writing with hundreds and hundreds of different people, yep. You, you get okay at it, you know? And, um, but at the same time, there is a little bit of, a, I think, a, a, a mechanism to it all. Yeah. You know? And, uh, when I decided to do my own music as an artist, I knew I wanted to write it with my wife, all the songs with my wife, instead of with all the songwriters I developed these relationships yeah. with, because she knew me better than anybody. That's and right. I wanted this music to be really personal. Um, it, it wasn't just for the sake of a song just being popular or something. I want the song to be connective. And it, in order for it to be truly connected, I want it to be honest. Yeah. And so I, I, I knew I could write really honest music with my wife. And so uh, we sat down and started writing. But that's the thing when you write with your wife. You're not limited to an 11 to 4. Yeah. You can write whenever you want. Yeah. So we write completely different than I wrote when I was a full-time songwriter. We can, we spend sometimes like two, three weeks on a song, sometimes two or three months on a song, um, tweaking it. We'll just play with it and we'll put it, put it down to sleep for a little while, take it out the box. You know what I mean? I'll wake up with an idea. Yeah. Yeah, I wake up and I wait for her to wake up and I wait and then she'll wake up and I'll tell the idea, you know? Yeah. And we take our time. And to me, there's something really, 
special that can happen with a song when you give it the time yep. to reflect on it and you don't rush it. Um, there's, you know, kind of like that high size 2020 kind of thing. Sure. You're able to live with it for a minute and then come back to it with new eyes or I guess new ears really, yeah. you know, and then you're able to do that a few times mm -hmm. before you really get to the finished product instead of just doing it in one day. So that way, when you're finally done with the song, you know, you have, you've kind of like been able to be away from it and come back to it and yeah. hear it uh, freshly uh, many times over. And I think it really helps. Yeah. Well, and I, I love your message in music. Like you said, it is all positive. There might be some, some subtle, sad things that come out throughout lyrics, but it is supposed to be inspiring, make you feel good. Um, last thing I'll ask you uh, before I get to the, the final question, which is the same on every episode, uh, but just finding after years and years and years being behind the scenes and then having success as a as a singer songwriter on your own and having a song go number one and being able to, to to tour and to play that song for thousands and thousands of people was that the was that the aha moment for you of like man i did it I haven't had that moment yet. Yeah, that's good though. I mean, that means you're you're still hungry for something. Yeah, I think. Um, do you feel like you've had that moment yet? No, no, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I love sitting down with you and talking with you, and it's great. We just get built this new studio, but right, you no, still I mean, feel like it's to come. Yeah, no, I feel like I do know, too. People ask me all the time. Sometimes I kind of hope that it never comes. Yeah. You know, I, I, instead just, of instead of life then. being like this peak and yeah. then it goes and then and then it's down and then that, that that's like the end of life yeah of life's like this and like there there's never this like ah i made it it just gets better and better and better and your family gets bigger and mm -hmm. bigger and you get more and more successful and it's just and more and more at peace with yourself and with life and all of it and you know i mean i think that's like for me, that's the real goal. The goal yep. is that, and I think that's kind of like where my mindset is with the whole forward progress thing, is if I can just be focused on forward progress, mm -hmm. then every day is going to be better than the day before in the, in, in the long term, almost like kind of like investing or something. Yeah. You know? I'm just investing in myself and trusting in the compounding of my efforts. Yep. You yeah, know? no. I, that I, by the end, yeah, I'm going to be the Warren Buffett emotionally, internally, with my piece yeah you know no i love that and i think it's a creative person thing too where it's like you're always just envisioning the next thing or how you can get better Yeah, so you don't really celebrate your successes too exactly often. like yeah. i do in moments like i get done with interviews or i get done with shows and I, or i see how numbers do for like five minutes i'm assuming yeah. you do the same thing like yeah. good time goes real we big went out to dinner yeah. we high-fived and we went back in the, the studio next. the next day yeah <laughs> I, I love that energy it's the same i feel like with people that have cr that creative energy in their blood um i tell you the way i do celebrate good time going number one wasn't i, I felt like to just bask in it for so much time we we went out to dinner we had a we had a big kind of like uh dinner party but every single night when i sing it with the fans that's the celebration you know that's so cool. I, I get to celebrate it every single night you know for that moment every single night when we sing it that's you know? beautiful man that's so awesome um thank you so much for giving me some of your time i love everything that you're doing uh last thing i do want to ask you is advice for that that starving songwriter or, or singer that's playing in bars, whether it be yeah. in Georgia, Ohio, Texas. And, you know, I know a few of my friends that still do it. And people that just are grinding, 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 they want to follow your footsteps. Kind of what, what wise words would you give them? 
You know, the music industry is ev always evolving at such a rapid pace. And especially in the past 10 years, it's even picked up and yep. how rapid it's evolving. So, you know, the way that Zach Brown kind of watched artists make it, he, the way he did it was different from them because the game had changed, mm -hmm. the industry had changed. And the way I did it was different from the way Zach did it because when I did it, the industry had changed. And now the way I kind of got signed, was able to take a song to number one and, 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 and get to this place is different than the way I would give advice for someone to do it today. So yeah. the way I would say today is if you're grinding right now, it doesn't matter what genre that you're in, but today, right now, the best way to go about it, and this is the beauty of it, is that you have more power at, yeah. um, in the place that you are currently at as an independent artist all on your own than you ever have. So my advice to you is utilize TikTok and other um, social media platforms to the maximum of your ability to get your yep. music out there. Because if you, you can figure out how to make the music yourself or you can get someone that you know close to you who knows how to make the music and y'all can go in together and partner up on it. Yep. And, and, and work it out that way where you both can kind of like be invested in the songs together. That way you don't have a lot of money in on it and you can do it together. Either way, that's how you can do it for the cheapest possible. The internet is free. That's yeah. the beauty of it. It's all out there and you can go viral. You can blow up. And, and the truth, and this is the truth of the matter, any record label would tell you this. So there's, there's I'm not telling any secret here, yeah. but this is the, the state of, of the music industry right now. But but they're not going to even look at you or consider you consider signing you unless you're going viral on TikTok yep. on, on, or, on, or on social media in general, unless your song is blowing up in that way. So that, that's what you do. You go, you, you go big on social media with your song. All of the digital service providers, Spotify, Amazon, yep. Apple, Everywhere, everybody streams, YouTube, Pandora, they will see that. And then they will put you on the playlist and they will stream you. When they stream you, the record labels will take notice because they will see that you're blowing up on social media and you're blowing up on streaming. Yep. And that's how you'll get the label's attention. But it goes social media, streaming, labels. That's kind of like the pathway now. Yeah. So if you were at the beginning, don't even worry about the other two. I mean, you got to put your songs up on streaming, but of, uh, but as far as like being like, how do I get on the biggest playlist? Yeah. You get on the biggest playlist so by I being TikTok. big on, on social media. Yeah. Exactly. You know, so that's how you do it. Well, I think about it with my friend, he's open for you, I think a couple times now, David Morris. I mean, he had the two big songs that went on TikTok. Yeah, David Morris. A couple Morris. years ago, Carrying Your Love and Dutton Ranch Freestyle. Yep. And naturally, labels came calling. Yeah, exactly. It was exactly. streaming like crazy. He's a perfect example. Yep. He, and see, when when um, when, I, when when I first got signed, TikTok, I, I don't even think it had come out yet, or it was just getting ready to come out. Yeah. So, you know, the it's a different industry today, so social media, you know, and, and, you know, it's really competitive. Um, so go all in on yourself. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't try to sound like your favorite artist. If you love Morgan Wallen, don't try to sound like Morgan Wallen. Yeah. Sound different. Sound like you. 
sound like only you sound. That's how you stand out in the stream and in, in the saturated mass that is, you know, the music world out there now. Yeah. We, you know, what is there, like 70,000 songs a day uploaded? It's crazy. To uh, Spotify every day. So, so if you want to cut through, be unique. And the way to be unique is to be yourself. I want to end right there because being yourself is definitely the theme of the show. Nico, I have a new set. Normally, like, I nux everybody when we end it. So we had to stretch out for that one, but I appreciate yeah. it, brother. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. And we'll see everybody right back here next week on The Mental Game. And that was an amazing conversation with Nico. I can't thank him enough for really opening up about his mental health journey and his struggles. You know, you heard him say it in the interview. He's never really talked about that stuff publicly, so I can't thank him enough for having that safe feeling here on The Mental Game and during our interview once again, he is starting his own foundation to help any of you country music fans with your mental health. That kicks off in January 2024. But once again, a big thank you to Nico Moon. Coming up next week, another surprise guest here on The Mental Game. And your one hint, it is an athlete. We are going back to sports right back here next week on The Mental Game. <laughs>